Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 157 of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind. I am Kayla Moria. Are you? Yep. It seemed like maybe you weren't sure. <laughs> I, I was trying to decide how I was going to sing it, and then I'm, I'm like, Kayla I'm going to- Kayla Moria. I was like, I'm, how am I going to sing it? Am I going to do the fast thing or the operatic thing? And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say it this week. We're really going to throw things off the rails. How come- you're allowed to throw things off the rails, but when I do it, you're like, give me back my normal intro. Because I didn't plan that, and it was because my brain was so, like, scrambled <laughs> that I couldn't. It wasn't something I chose. It was something that just happened. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are. Kayla, how are you? I am okay. It's been a busy weekend. Mom came to town. Yeah. With Auntie Becky and Ava. Oh, fun. So I got to sit in some hot tub, like sit in a hot tub for some time. Lovely. Uh, it was a friend's birthday. Uh, there was a show. Nice, nice. Uh, and and it's just been very busy. Okay, I but, love that. But like fun busy. Oh, that's Not good. Not stressful busy. Not stressful busy? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. That's nice. All right, so yeah, how are you? Uh, I'm all right. I am officially going to get my gallbladder removed. Woo! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No more sludge for you. No more sludge. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that <laughs> I'm. I'm honestly. I I don't like needles. We had a conversation about it. I've got a game plan. To, okay. To get through it, but I didn't think that I'd ever be excited to have a surgery. <laughs> but honestly, it cannot come fast enough. Like I don't have a date yet. I'm going to figure that out next week. But my god, I feel so awful all the time and I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Thank you. And then I can stop talking about it and then I wonder what my new fun health thing will be after <laughs> that. <laughs> the mystery that is Britney's body. I know. It's, it's, what's going to happen next? <laughs> Your body is a wonderland my of body. medical issues. <laughs> I was going to say, my body is a junkyard <laughs> full of trash. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I got some jokes for you. Let's do it. I'm ready. What do birds say at Halloween? I don't know. Twick or tweet. Oh. <laughs> all I could think of was what I think we've had before. Like the uh, the rooster, like cockle doodle boo, but I was like, that's not a specific. That's a specific kind of bird, and they would have specified <laughs> a rooster or something. A rooster. Yep. Um, how do monsters tell their future? No idea. They read their horoscope. Ah, uh, my God! I was thinking something about tarot cards. <laughs> Wrong. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway. Oh, geez. Uh, well, we don't have a, a, a can of any sort. No, no. Should we imitate one? I we can open. I can open my water bottle. They're just going to hear the, the, it's a Nalgene, so they just hear it twist off. Yeah, are you ready? Yep, let's, let's crack into it. Get a little <laughs> ASMR in there. <laughs> it was so quiet that you had to, like extra go into it (laughs) we both got shit to do tomorrow okay no beer no beer tonight no it's sunday night right now 
So, yeah, we're going to record this and then I think go to bed. Yep. <laughs> That's much. my plan. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Okay. This week, I'm going to I'm going to start with a question. I am so excited. It's like a statement that I turned into a question. Okay. The ocean is freaking scary. Yes, right? it is. Right? Yes. 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 There is so much we don't know about it, and most of it has not been explored. No. In fact, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, oceans cover nearly 70% of the Earth's surface, and only 5% of our world's oceans have been explored. And that means... If I did my math correctly, so don't hold your breath, because I don't do math well. <laughs> but that should mean that there is 66.5% of the world that is a complete mystery to us. That we can make about right. We can make educated guesses, but we don't know. But every time we think we've made educated guesses and then we explore just a little bit deeper... They're like that thing you thought was extinct. Yeah, it's not extinct. It just lives deeper than we thought. Oh my god! And what are what are those fish that uh, or the eels that that wash up on Japan? Aren't they like uh, they they indicate bad news? Oh no, I didn't know about this. Oh, I'm gonna have to Google that. I'm on I'm on scary ocean TikTok. So yes, this is the kind of TikTok I'm on. (laughs) All hands. Oyster colors high. Yeah, North Shore or North Sea TikTok is yeah. very fun. Yeah, I yeah. just like to watch all the boats go like. Oh, and the, yeah, and the storms and yep. the big waves. Exactly. Oh my gosh, big wave Dave's. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, the ocean is scary, and things that live in the ocean are even scarier. Yes, they are. So before we get started, uh. I was going to share a TikTok with you, but you already saw it because I put it on our social media. Yes, I did. So this is what inspired my whole section of this week's episode. Okay. If you're listening and have the chance or and you haven't seen it already, go to our Facebook or Instagram from this last Sunday. I posted a TikTok from at L-A-D-S-H-U-B. Um, I posted it on both of our accounts. And the video is of a Humboldt squid attacking a person's paddleboard while they're out paddling the ocean. They were way more calm about it than I would have been. So, and that's another thing. So we'll get into that because I don't think they grasped what was happening. Oh. Like that lady that was laughing. By the way, she's cackling in it, like in a way that makes you think like, did you summon this squid? Do you have a problem with this guy? Like he's, they're on paddleboards. So it's not like kayaks. It's just a, it's a surfboard that people paddle on basically. And then it just wraps its little squiddy arms. Right around it. Ugh. And at one point she sticks her camera in the water so you can see the whole like main body yeah, of I the squid. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I found another TikTok that explained that it was a Humboldt squid. Okay. And this is important because if you don't know what a Humboldt squid is, it's fucking terrifying. I don't know. I just thought it looked scary because it was very large and it really wanted to be on that guy's paddleboard. So a Humboldt squid, their average lifespan is about a year. After they hatch, Humboldt squid grow from about one millimeter to their adult size of usually around three to five feet in length. In one year? That happens in a year. And they lay millions of eggs. It's insane. 
<sighs> anyway, so to support how fast oh they grow, they are super active and voracious predators. Yeah. Historically, it was common to see them from Peru to like central Mexico. But now with global warming and the way that the oceans have heated, uh, they can stretch anywhere from the tip of Chile to Alaska. Yeah. Oh, and they are very no. commonly seen um, in the Gulf of California. I don't know where that video that I posted was taken, but either way, that's a long stretch. And on top of that, yeah. like they fish, like they fish for them. Now they're like, they're, they're not in any endangered species lists or anything like that. So people fish for them. Right. And they still don't even like, they haven't even cracked. Like, the, the, didn't even make a dent? Nope. Doesn't even make a dent. Oh, wow. Um, there is a very large population in the Gulf of California, Mexico, that scientists believe only recently became established there. And this species is now common throughout all of the California area. Humboldt squid have a tough, thick-walled mantle, eight arms covered with about 100 to 200 powerful hooked suckers. Hooked? Yeah, there's like, they're, they're, they've got hooks on them. Ow. And like all squid, they have a powerful beak. For like a mouth. I really hate the beak thing. And on top of their, you know, regular eight arms, they have two longer feeding tentacles. Oh, good. Oh, I love animals that have additional feeding tentacles. <laughs> like most cephalopods, they are smart. Uh-huh. Humboldt squid also have specialized pigment cells called chromatophores that enable them to change color, as well as bioluminescent organs that produce light called photophores. And Humboldt squid use these in a combination to camouflage, communicate, and make their displays easier to see in the dark. They earned the nickname Diablo Rojo, or Red Devil, because of the red and white flashing display that they exhibit when captured by fishermen. And researchers have identified 28 different color and flashing patterns in Humboldt squid that could have specific meanings and appear to be used in different combinations. So these squid are talking to each other. Uh, because they're, like, trying to figure out their pattern for when they feed in groups. Yeah. And you might be like, okay, groups, like, what, 10, 20? Oh, God, it's like 100, isn't it? Big-ass groups. They hunt and migrate in groups that can contain up to 1,000 squid. No. And they're, like, five feet long? Yep. Oh, yep. my God. They are known to be extremely aggressive and can attack fish, mollusk, or cannibalize other squid. And on rare occasions, they attack humans. Some triggers seem to be flashing lights or reflective gear, like the kind often worn by divers. Divers are being attacked by these giant-ass squids? It's not, like, super common, but it's just one more terrifying thing to add to the being in the ocean. Yeah, I don't like that. So imagine being a diver, getting caught in a group of these big-ass squid with hooked suckers and feeding tentacles. Well, that's that's a nightmare, is what that is. <laughs> so I was thinking about these creepy ass, like real studied creature that we know about. And then I was like, okay, well, what about the ones we don't know about? What about the cryptids? What about deep sea cryptids? And you know who is the granddaddy of all deep sea cryptids? I have a pretty good idea. The Kraken. Release the Kraken. <laughs> So the Kraken is the ultimate deep sea cephalopod of your nightmares. 
Well, several people definitely already got that right online because I saw the little comments come through. (laughs) Yep. And the first person to get it right, thank you, Perplexity Mystery Podcast. You got it right, right off the bat. It was like 20 minutes after I posted the video. And they're like, obviously it's this. And I'm like, yes, because I didn't think it was that obvious, but uh, I'm a little, you know, I'm not always on the uptake when it comes to these type of hints. So maybe I underestimated how everybody else would do. (laughs) Okay. No deep sea cryptid is as well known as feared or as scarily realistic as the Kraken. It is usually depicted as an aggressive cephalopod-like creature capable of destroying entire ships and dragging sailors to their doom. It isn't totally clear when the kraken or similar tentacled sea monsters first entered into, you know, mythology in general. Yeah. Uh, Like around the world. But the earliest writings that they could find come from King Svir of Norway around the year 1180. It existed as just one part, like in this, these writings from the king, one part in this giant collection of sea monsters they had listed. And in that description, it said it was the size of an island, and it patrolled the waters between Norway, Iceland, and Greenland. And this was according to paleontologist Rodrigo Salvador. However, other sea monster stories that do not specifically name the kraken can be traced even further back. One particularly well-known kraken story comes from old Norwegian folklore, and in this account, the kraken was sighted in the Greenland Sea by a group of sailors who all claimed to have seen the same thing. And it's not like, you know how everyone's like, oh, mermaids, they're actually manatees. It's pretty hard to confuse an island-sized squid Yep, yep. <laughs> for something else. While it seems to have originated in Norway, many cultures around the world have a myth or legend about tentacled beasts causing problems. Uh, Greece, the Caribbean, Japan, New Zealand all have their own versions of the Kraken as well. Large sea monsters appear in myths older than the Bible, and the Kraken is probably a version of some of those legends. According to the legend, the Kraken lives in the deepest parts of the ocean. While ships pass by on the surface, the kraken will attack and drag entire vessels underneath the waves. If he isn't able to grab them, or it isn't able to grab them, Mm -hmm. it will swim swift circles around a vessel, creating a massive whirlpool that swallows the ships and everybody aboard. And it was believed that the kraken would then devour the ship, crew, or both. And kraken attacks were once used to explain the disappearances of ships and crews on long sea voyages. Krakens were also thought to be the cause of small fishing boat disappearances, bad ocean smells, surges of fish, and more. I mean, I think that tracks. Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) In Norway, the Kraken myth grew and washed up specimens of squid were interpreted as messages from God or the devil, sometimes called sea angels, sea devils, or sea monks. And these are just general squid that they'd see washed up on the shore, and that was their sign. Oh, okay. One big reason the Kraken is given Norwegian origin is due to Eric Pontopadin, who was the Bishop of Bergen in Norway, and his first book, A First Attempt at Natural History of Norway from 1752, described the Kraken as a beast that is round, flat, and full of arms or branches. It is the largest and most surprising of all animal creations. I found a translation from a historian. Um, 
And now I did find this on Reddit. Full disclosure. Okay. Because then I looked up the book and I could not find a translation of the book. I could only find like the book. So you're like, I'm just taking your word for it. (laughs) So, but I mean, the historian on the subreddit, Ask a Historian, cited his sources. He seemed like everybody was all upvotes and yay. So we're going to go with it. His translation from the book says that multiple fishermen who unanimously affirm and without the least variation of their accounts that if you row out several miles into the Norwegian Sea in the summer, you are in serious danger of falling victim to the Kraken. Quote, Our fishermen all tell the same story without variation of warm summer days when they row out a few miles off land and arrive at the fishing grounds, known to be 500 to 600 feet deep. Sometimes, as they release their lines, they sound the depth to no more than some 120 to 150 feet, And the sea is so full of fish that they can dip their hooks and retrieve them full of fish. They know that the crack is below. It's because in this book, it's K-R-A-K-E. Okay. While the fishery is bountiful, many boats gather to partake. But in this situation, they must take great care to sound the depth regularly. For at some point, the crake will rise. Unquote. Apparently, you could tell if you were in danger if you started reeling in a, like, buttload of fish... And that was the sign of the Kraken because it was the beast that was scaring all the fish to the surface. <clears throat> and if that happens, you better hope you're a good rower because you need to hightail it out of there fast. When the fisherman finds themselves out of danger, like they've rowed away from the big crap ton of fish they in the water. Hightailed it out of there. Hightailed it out of there. They, quote, lie upon their oars and after a few minutes, they see this enormous monster come up to the surface of the water, unquote. The description of the creature is uh, has a back that is a mile and a half in circumference. Oh, my God. And looks like a number of small islands. Oh, okay. Quote, here and there, a larger rising is observed like sandbanks, on which various kinds of small fishes are seen continuously leaping about all day till they roll off into the water from the sides of it. At last, several bright points or horns appear, which grow thicker and thicker the higher they rise to the surface of the water. And sometimes they stand as high and as large as the masts of the mid-sized vessels. These horns, of course, are the dreaded arms. Unquote. I, I just wouldn't be a fisherman anymore. <laughs> no, right? Like, right? Like, especially, this sounds like maybe it's not that uncommon. <laughs> like, well, all I'm saying is at that point, like, you were kind of... It was kind of one of those, like, my dad was a fisherman, I'm a fisherman, could you do anything else, or just your family lives in poverty? So, you take that crack in risk, yo. Okay. <laughs> and if the kraken doesn't attack your boat and yank you down with it, you're still not out of danger, because the whirlpool can happen, even if it's not him circling your boat. It's like the just, Titanic. Just, yep, just the effort of it going back down in the water creates a whirlpool slash undertow effect that could drag you and your boat down with it. I was going to try to pronounce this last name again, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm just going to call him Eric because we know that's the author. So we're, we're just going to say Eric. That's usually what I do. I just go for <laughs> first names. <laughs> Eric notes he doesn't think that the Kraken intends to attack humans. Oh, he just like, it's like, uh, like if, if, uh, like a great white like that shark, sees you yeah. paddle boarding and thinks it's a seal. Yeah. Like, it's not that this is some, you know, 
hungry creature from the depths. It's more like, I mean, it's hungry, but it's hungry for fish or anything else it could potentially eat. It's like, oh, that's a big one. It's more like the boats are just a casualty of hunting fish because they are fishing boats. So right. there where the fish are, so will the Kraken be. Probably smells like fish. Well, th- that's actually funny because that's my next part here. Oh, <laughs> okay. He says that the Kraken has, quote, a strong and peculiar scent, which it can emit at certain times and by means of which it beguiles and draws other fish to come in heaps about it, unquote. And, uh... It uses this scent to devour the fish, like creating a lure. Guess what it is? Mm. Poop. Of course. It's squid poop. Uh, this That was the least scary part of this entire story. <laughs> <laughs> it was just gross. Eric claims that a great many old fishermen say that it's evacuation colors. Uh, cloud the surface of the water and it appears quite thick and turbid. And then he explains this muddiness is said to be so very agreeable to the smell or taste of other fishes or to both that they gather together from all parts to it and keep for that purpose directly over the kraken. He then opens his arms or horns, seizes up and swallows his welcome guests and then converts them after due time by digestion into bait for the other fish of some kind later. Ah. It's the circle of life <laughs> and it moves us all. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> oh, jeez. He then goes on to talk about how, like all the squid we encounter now, Mm-hmm. There's not many people have had a chance to study it. Quote, since nobody will examine this horrible beast alive, I deeply regret that nobody took the opportunity to study a dead one when the possibility arose. According to Mr. Vicar Fries of Bodo in Norland, a kraken, most probably a young and careless specimen, washed ashore in a fjord. It's got a big long name, but I know it's a fjord. Okay. In a fjord in the year 1680. According to him, its tentacles, which it used in the same way as a snail, by contracting and extruding them to move, were stuck in some trees and cracked cliffs by the sea so that it was caught and died. Oh. It took a long time to rot as its carcass filled a large part of the fjord and made it unapproachable because of the smell. Big giant I bet the swim. fish loved it, though. But it was on the shore. Fish couldn't do nothing. Oh. That's sad. Poor fish. (laughs) Then Eric goes on to say that uh, he has never heard of anyone that has been attacked by a kraken and survived it, except one story where a couple of fishermen went into slimy and muddy waters, and then they realized it was the kraken, so they quickly left. But one of its tentacles struck the boat so that it broke, and they could barely make it to land. They had to swim to shore. Oh, my God. They had to swim through squid poop to get back to shore. I mean, at that point, though, you're just... Thankful you're alive. Well, you know, it's like uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know? <laughs> yep, that's exactly the comparison had, I would have made. He had to a, he had a, <laughs> get through some poop yeah, just to get out. just to get to freedom. So, is the Kraken real? Yes. Most people seem to think not. They think that it is inspired by a real creature, the giant squid. 
Okay. So from what we know about the giant squid, it can grow up to 43 feet in length. It was first classified by Western science in 1857. And while it doesn't use poop, it does squirt ink, which can make the water pretty dang murky and has its own smell. Okay. Um, I I knew that the giant squid was a real thing. I didn't think it was 40 feet in length real. 43 feet in length. 40, what? It also has really big eyes. Okay. Like, its eyes, eyes are creepy, right? Eyes can be creepy. There's a reason that any, like, spooky ghost story that they tell you has, like, eyes in the darkness. Or, like, there's so many Dungeons and Dragons creatures that either have multiple eyes or one big giant eye. Yeah, eyes are scary. Yeah. Uh, So, giant squids have the second largest eye of any creature on Earth. Who has the first one? I'm not 100% because I didn't list it. Uh Uh-huh. But I was thinking about that later. And I think it might be the sperm whale. Oh, that makes sense. See, that is why the ocean is so scary, because the, everything is so big. Yep. Giant, even. The giant. Giants. <laughs> uh, and the giant squid is also pretty dang mysterious. We don't know how they mate. We don't know how long they live for. There have, There's real, more questions than there are answers about the giant squid. There have only ever been a small number of times a giant squid has been seen. Mm-hmm. And even fewer actual specimens that have been recovered in decent condition. I think my Mysteries of the Unexplained book has a picture of a giant squid being like hoisted up onto a ship. Yeah, they, it was large. It was large. And the thing is, is a lot of times by the time they're found, they're like picked apart. Yeah, it it looked like it was pretty, pretty broken down. There's also the colossal squid. Oh, which is different than the giant squid. Good, but probably very large. Uh, That one is found in the waters of Antarctica, and it's about the same size as the giant squid, but instead of the serrated suction cups that Mm -hmm. the giant squid has, Mm -hmm. it has swiveling hooks on its suction cups. What? How does that even work? Swivelly hooks. (laughs) Just the sound I imagine it makes. Um, well, no scientists have observed their hunting habits fully. Scientists predict that they're actually pretty lazy. Like, they're big. They get to be lazy. They believe that it kind of just floats upside down with its tentacles, like, up and floating out. And it waits for fish to come by and then, like, grabs them. Okay. Uh, for both the giant squid and the colossal squid. They, uh, one article I saw from, was it Wired, maybe? They, they called it lackadaisical. They think they hunt very lackadaisically. So, yeah, they're just waiting for fish to, like, swim into their suckers. So that doesn't account for the aggressiveness told of the kraken. And while 43 feet is big, it is not a mile, a mile and a half long. Yeah, no. Also, the giant squid and the colossal squid don't hang out near the surface at all. According to what I found here, it says there isn't enough oxygen at the surface to sustain them. So if you see one drifting towards the like surface of the water, like near your boat, it's probably in worse shape than you are. It's like when you go in and see your goldfish, like kind of half floating. It's not good. It's not a good thing for them to be there. And also, I mean, if getting enough air isn't the only threat, they like to stay deep because giant squid have to keep uh, their giant ass eye, like, looking over their metaphorical shoulders 
because they need to be looking out for sperm whales, which are the only predatory animal large enough to hunt them. And are sperm whales like worldwide? I don't know that. I didn't look. I'm just because because these are these squids and colossal and giant. They seem like they're in two very different parts. Well, I know that whales migrate, but I don't know how big their migratory pattern is. I'm not sure. I mean, I I'm trying to think because it's Antarctic. I know that there are whales in the Arctic area, but I don't know if I mean that. So that accounts for like the temperature issue. Yeah, the temperature issue is mostly what I was thinking of. So I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not sure. That would be interesting to look up. Oh man, I'm, uh, the deep dive I'm going to go into after this. Uh, hashtag fun fact. Yay. Fights between sperm whales and giant squid aren't well documented as in scene, but we know they happen thanks to two key pieces of evidence. First, they have found the beaks of consumed giant squids inside the stomachs of beached sperm whales. Okay. And they can see the evidence on the whale's bodies of, from their, like, suction, yeah. like their serrated suction cups, and from beak bites. So they know they get into fights. I mean, you would think that the the squids would, you know, not just go quietly. Yeah, that's what they're fighting them off. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, it's so upsetting. Uh, according to... One source, kind of moving away from that. We're off of the sperm whales now. Okay. The reason that they think that some kraken monster may have or does exist is because uh, they have found bones. Not squid bones, because that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, ichthyosaur bones? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I-C-H-T-H-Y-O-S-A-U-R. So... Ichthyosaur bones have been discovered in strange patterns on the ocean floor and fossil records. Ichthyosaurs were large marine reptiles from the Mesozoic era that have since been classified as extinct. Okay. And the evidence from these bones look like kills from some type of giant octopus, squid, or other cephalopod. Okay. Since the ichthyosaur grows to be 66 feet long, according to their records- An octopus would have to be very large indeed to hunt and eat one. Scientists even found one ichthyosaur skeleton with a rib cage cracked from constriction. It was as if a large tentacle had been wrapped around the beast, crushing it and dragging it down. For this to be possible, something very large with tentacles would have had to exist to crush something with that was 66 feet long. That makes me very uncomfy. So now, like, this cryptid, is this a cryptid in, like, the paranormal sense? No, not really. There's zero claims from actual, like, scholarly sources that I could find that said anything about there was no magical powers, it didn't shoot lightning or have mind control or appear out of the mists. It's just a big, big, scary cephalopod that uses poop to lure fish. I just, I'm going to stick with my Nessie. But it is a creature of such legend that I think it warranted getting discussed in the podcast, like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, I'm sticking with Nessie. (laughs) Nessie's my homegirl. Even today, the Kraken is still famous and used in popular culture. It's mentioned in books, poems, TV shows. Uh, The first thing that always comes to my mind is, 
Like, what is Release the Kraken from? Because that's something everybody talks about. I feel like it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Is it? Okay. With the squid-faced guy. There's also a, uh, there's a booze named after it. I have had that booze. Yep. yep. It is not very good. <laughs> but I did get it because I had a Kraken on it. Since there are gigantic squid-like animals and octopuses in the ocean, the Kraken is a mythological creature that may not be a myth after all, because again, the ocean is big and mysterious, and we don't know over half of it. So it is a perfect example of, damn nature, you scary. And by over half of it, you mean 95% of it, we don't know. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I guess over half of, I was going to say, I guess I was thinking the 60s. Oh, the world. Yeah, over yeah. half of the world. But yeah, 95% of the ocean, we don't know what the fuck is happening there. And that is my tale of the Kraken. Uh, <laughs> it's really scary. Bear Lake's not looking so bad now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if we're if we're going in comparison, okay. <laughs> okay. So on a skeptic scale. Five. You're going five? Totally. I was gonna go I was gonna go because we we're talking paranormal. As far as like, is it believable? Oh, believe okay. Believable five. As far as like I don't know if it exists now, but having existed in the past, yes, five. Yeah. But on the paranormal aspect, I'd probably put it at like a one. Because it just sounds pretty normal, like a big-ass monster, but like a big-ass monster that nature just has in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I look at it kind of the same way I do as Bigfoot. Like, I don't doubt that Bigfoot, if if it do, if they do not currently exist, I do believe that it is a possibility that they did at one point. Yeah. Um. So, yes. Uh, as in regards to the the magics of it. Like, yes. Like the fae. Or goblins. Exactly. Uh, I'm going to say one. Uh, but yeah, in believability, uh, five. <laughs> and it's so scary. <sighs> yeah. Again, it's just, it's it's not that I thought that it was paranormal, but it is a myth. Oh, it's a cryptid. It's got like, tons of stuff talked about it, yeah. just like Nessie. And I was like, yeah, I, I'd had it on my list for a while. And I'm like, now's the time. We're just coming off a of True Crime November. Yeah. I want to True Crime November? <laughs> true Crime January. We're just coming out of True Crime January. And I just wanted to bring it back in with, like, a big story that people would recognize. Yeah, I loved it. I love it. Everyone seemed really excited when they saw <laughs> your little teaser video. What do you got for me this week? I saw that you've had this chosen for a while. For a while. This was going to be my last topic before True Crime January. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I wasn't going to do it justice. So I waited. Nice. I'm and, excited. Yeah. Okay. So from its inception in 1978 until 2003, a man named Art Bell created and hosted a late night radio talk show called Coast to Coast AM. Have you ever heard of it? It sounds like I should know what it is. Like other things have referenced it, yeah. but I've never heard it. I, I've never, up, up until this, I hadn't ever listened to the episodes, but I've heard of it before. There's one thing that I'm thinking of, but I don't think it's that. So I guess we'll wait and see. All right. Well, this show, which actually still exists today with host George Nuri, 
was syndicated by the Premier Radio Network and aired on more than 500 radio stations across the country with an average weekly audience of about 10 million listeners. Oh, holy buckets. And this show was basically the granddaddy of paranormal podcasts that we know and love today, frequently covering topics like conspiracy theories or the paranormal. Okay, so it was a it was a paranormal podcast before this was a thing. Yeah, before were, podcasts they existed. Were trailblazing for us. Exactly, exactly. But unlike podcasts, which are generally pre-recorded and feature hosts that present information to you, Coast to Coast AM allowed the listeners to call in in real time and have discussions with the host or with the call-in guests. Okay. Fun. Super fun. It makes me think of, you ever seen Heather's? A long time ago. There's this like talk show that you could call into on the radio and he was like giving advice and everybody would listen to it and but you could like, it was actively happening at the time. People used to call into the radio all the time to like get advice oh. and chat. Uh, hello, have you ever seen Frasier? Oh, uh, actually, I have never chosen to watch Frasier. I felt that way, and then I started watching it in college because it was just on when I was getting up, and it just would be on. Yeah. I've now watched it all the way through. <laughs> all right, so it is through Coast to Coast AM that we have tonight's topic. All right. Mel's Hole. Mel's Hole. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in the boys' soul, you got to pay the troll toll. Uh, nope, not the same thing. Not I just, the that's, same thing. That's no. what it made me think of. No, anyway. no, no, no. Good song, though. <laughs> sort of. It's from Always Sunny. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> I know all about the, the troll hole. <laughs> troll toll. <laughs> all right. So Mel's Hole. Mel's Hole. On February 21st, 1997, a man named Mel Waters from... Uh, Monashtesh Ridge region in Washington State near Ellensburg appeared on AM Coast to Coast after having sent Art Bell a fax, which read, Dear Art, I'm writing to you to see if I can get some help from you or your vast listening audience. I live in rural eastern Washington near the Monashtesh Ridge. On our property, there is a hole, uh, like the previous owners and the owners before them. We've been throwing trash into this hole. That's smart. Oh, well, I'll just... My own landfill? What the fuck? That's I mean, not that's environmentally friendly. Do. No, it's not. That's not at all. So apparently this hole has been here as long as anyone can remember. At first, I thought it was an ancient well. Anyway, this hole is 9 feet 9 inches in diameter. There is a stone retaining wall around it, and we put a steel door on top to keep anyone from falling into it. As I said earlier, people have been throwing their trash into this well for decades. Furniture, household trash, dead cows, building debris, you name it. It's quite the array. The thing is, I noticed that the hole never filled up. So I got curious. Actually, obsessed. Trying to measure the depth of the hole. I emptied three fishing reels of about 1,500 yards of monofilament trying to determine the depth. Soon, I was buying fishing line in bulk. So far, I've sunk about 80,000 feet of line into the hole without reaching the bottom. My wife works at a local university with a geology department. We hope to get some professional scholarly help in determining the depth of the hole 
As far as I can tell, there's nothing else particularly strange about it except for two things. Dogs refuse to get within 100 feet of the hole. Birds won't sit on the retaining wall or the metal door. And another strange thing is that there is no echo when you yell into the hole. Oh, I don't like that. Indeed, I've never heard anything hit the bottom when tossed. We once tossed an old refrigerator and we never heard it hit the bottom. You tossed an old ref... What the fuck? No crash, splash, or crunch. I hope your listeners can help with possible explanations. I'm wondering if this, based on my measurements thus far, might be the deepest hole on earth. Signed, Mel Waters. That's so... Okay, I know I have to get over the, like, throwing the trash in the hole thing because people just used to do stuff They, they used to the just time. bury their garbage or burn it. And, and I know that shouldn't be the bothersome thing here. And then I'm trying to, like, we're talking about such a large distance that I'm trying to picture it in my head and I can't. Right. Like, that's, so he's saying 80,000 feet of. Of monofilament. Which is fishing wire. Uh-huh. But it's so light, like if it was pooling at the bottom, would he have a way to tell? You just wait. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so to say that Art Bell was intrigued by Mel and his hole was an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) For nearly 20 years, five nights a week, four hours a night, Art Bell had been encouraging folks to call in with information about cryptids, secret government laboratories, and potential alien abductions. But this was something different. So it's February 21st, 1997, and Art gets Mel on the phone for the very first time. And on this particular episode, Mel didn't give a lot of new information, uh, just kind of reiterated what had been in the facts, Mm -hmm. but the two talked for over an hour. Quote, the hole, it's always been there. We've been out there a couple of years now, and you know, the hole has been there since we've been there. It's been there since the previous owner was there, and the previous owner was quite elderly, and I'd say he was there for a good 30 to 40 years before we moved in. He continues, you know, we we just take all, you know, we take all of our trash, rubbish, anything that we have to get rid of. We just take it and throw it in the hole. Everyone's throwing stuff in the hole. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> of animals not wanting to go near the hole, Mel said, as usual, I brought my dogs with me. They wouldn't go anywhere near the damn thing. They went back to the suburban and hung out over there. It's kind of like, I I can't, you know, if I try to bring them there on a leash, they'll just dig their feet and they do not want to go anywhere near the hole. Listen to your animals, people. So Mel started to get curious as to how deep this hole went. He went on to explain that he's pretty much a shark fisherman. So he had these huge spools of fishing line in his garage. Mm-hmm. He added a one pound weight to the end. Okay. And every time that he reached the end of the line, he would just add another one, keeping track along the way as to how many feet of line he had gone through, which at this point was around 80,000 feet. He had put something across the hole so that the string would hang directly down the center of it so it would be less likely to get snagged on the sides. Now, before Mel had gotten to the full 80,000 feet of line, He would reel the line back up again to see if maybe there was water at the bottom of the hole because you'd think that you'd hear a splash or something when you dropped a refrigerator down into it. Yeah. But I don't know, maybe the water helps muffle the sound. Mm -hmm. So he would reel it back up, but then he was worried that maybe the weight was drying by the time it got to the surface because it's like 1,500 feet. Yeah. 
So he tied a lifesaver to the end of the line, knowing that if it was submerged into water, it would then melt. Oh, okay. Smart, 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 smart. I know. Uh, But it never did. And now at 80,000 feet, which, by the way, is 15.15 miles. Nope. Don't like that at all. Uh Uh-huh. The line doesn't appear to have hit anything. It's still lowering freely, but he just leaves it in there because I assume it it would take a lot of time to reel back up 80,000 feet of filament. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Art asked him if he had any guesses as to what this hole could be. And Mel said that at first he thought it was just maybe an old mine shaft. Uh, there was a, a small retaining wall built around it for safety. It's about three and a half feet tall. But when you look down into it, the first 15 or so feet into the, the hole, the walls are made out of stone, like a well. But then, for at least as far as you can see, it's just soil. But you can't really see super far into it. He's even brought some like really intense lights to try and look as far into the hole as he can but Mm -hmm. it's nothing nothing okay so art's listening to mel's story and at one point he's like you're not pulling my leg are you mel uh to which mel was like no i am not now what was unusual about mel's story though is that unlike a lot of art's other coast-to-coast guests mel seemed to know a lot about the hole but he didn't pretend to know everything He shared the details that he knew, and he seemed like he was answering honestly. Mm -hmm. And when he didn't have an answer, he was like, yeah, I don't know. It's weird, though. (laughs) He didn't pose any idea that there was some sort of conspiracy revolving around the hole. He just thought it was weird. Yeah. And he wanted to know what it could possibly be. Yeah. Same. I want to know. When Art asked him if he thought there was anything supernatural about the hole, Mel said that he didn't think so. Though there was an odd story that he had been told once by one of his neighbors. So apparently, this guy had a dog that died. Oh. And instead of burying it like a normal fucking human being, he decided that he would just throw the dog's body down the hole. Okay, okay. The trash, I have a problem with environmentally. But now we've got dead cows uh-huh. and a and a beloved pet yeah. that you're like, oh... Why would I bury this pet when I could just in a place, throw it into a hole? In a place where I could visit it and have fond memories of my pet. No, I'll throw it into the big crazy mystery hole. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy was a hunter. So sometime later, this guy was out hunting when he saw a dog that was his dog. Like the one that the guy swore he'd thrown down the hole. And the implication was that somehow after being, you know, dead and after being thrown into this possibly bottomless pit, the dog had come back to life and was now on the land. Like, like this hole is a pet cemetery, like Stephen King style. Stay away. (laughs) Stay the fuck away. The question, of course, was how did the guy know that this was his dog, right? And allegedly the dog that the guy saw was wearing the same collar and same tag as his deceased dog, and he just knew that it was his dog. But Mel went on to say that it wasn't his story, just one that he had been told by this guy, and that he doesn't necessarily believe it because... He, he can't confirm anything for himself. Exactly. And the I- idea that, you know, a dog came back to life is... Pretty out there. Uh-huh. Pretty. Uh-huh. 
pretty pretty much right out of a Stephen King novel. Yep. He did make a point, though, to say that there doesn't appear to be any of the dead cows that have come back to life. It's just <laughs> it's just this one dog. Ooh, uh, brains. <laughs> to which Art said, you know, yeah, it's not your story, but it is a story about a resurrected dog. And that is concerning. <laughs> He goes on to ask Mel if if he had a fatal disease, would he jump into the hole? And Mel said, yes. That's quite the question. I know. Oh, man, you're terminally ill? Want to jump in this giant mystery hole? Well, Mel said yes. And actually, he said that it's written in his will that were he to meet his demise, he wants to be thrown into the hole. Jesus fucking <laughs> Though this then brought up the idea that there it might contaminate the local water supply, but <laughs> oh, we're not we're, we're not worried about contamination with all of the trash, but or the dead cows or the dead dog, but the human, that's too. Yeah, much. I think Art said something about like you could produce like E. coli or something. <laughs> I was like, so could the dead cows. <laughs> Uh, But Mal assured Art that despite all of the trash that had already been thrown down into the hole, no one appeared to have any issues with their well water. Apparently, the water is still delicious and awesome and not contaminated with dead cow or refrigerators. (laughs) And while Mel was a a bit concerned about folks knowing about the hole, having sent the facts and being on the radio, his biggest reason for writing in was because he was curious about the hole's depth. And if it was indeed the deepest hole that anyone had ever found. So at this point, he's like, yeah, it's mysterious, but I just, this bugs me and I need to know this one thing. Well, how deep is it? He kept bringing up the Guinness Book World of Records, which, mind you, it's 1997. And I feel like that was significantly bigger at that time. I feel like no one ever really talks about it anymore. Not so much anymore, but yeah, no, we, our our school library had a bunch of them and we would all go through and look at the, look at the pictures and see, you know, the person with the world's longest fingernails. Oh my God, that was literally going to be my example because we were all obsessed with the long fingernails. Or like who could jump the highest and we all convinced ourselves one day we'd break a record and none of us did as far as I know. Not even close. Yep. Not even close. Yeah, so Mel and Art went back and forth about this, and I did a little research myself into the layers of the Earth. And the Earth's mantle is only about 18.6 miles below the surface on average. So this hole is about three miles short. Okay. And this layer is mostly made up of iron, magnesium, and silicon. Uh, it is described as being dense, hot, and semi-solid, like, a, like caramel candy. Okay. That's what they used as an example. And Mel said that he was a little over 15 miles down with the weighted fishing line. So Art said you'd think that when you got that deep that you'd notice like heat or melting with the weight of the line Mm -hmm. or the line itself. But it continues to move freely down. And also the Lifesaver candy would be melted through water or weird caramel-like iron substance. Right. Like, no matter what, that lifesaver's melting. And so far, he has not reported to us that it melted. Well, he hasn't pulled it back up yet. Oh, okay. Well, he did the first time, but it wasn't when it was this deep. Okay. I don't think he's going to pull it's it just, back. It's just, that's too It long. would take too long. Yeah. At one point, a caller offered to be lowered into the hole as long as they were in a cage. This guy from Austin was like, hey, because uh, Art had said something about, you know, you should you should lower someone into the hole so you could see... <laughs> how deep it goes and this guy from austin calls in and he's like i just wanted to let you know i volunteer 
I volunteered to be lowered into the hole. Um, but I have a couple of stipulations and I was like, okay, and what are those? And he said that he wanted to be, he wanted to be in a cage if he does it, uh, just in case some sort of weird subterranean thing was down there eating all this garbage to which Art pointed out. Okay. But the like, cage isn't going to help. Exactly. He's like, okay, if this thing can eat refrigerators, the cage isn't going to help. So then the guy said, oh, I will have a super powerful light so I could look down and see it coming, and then I know to go back up again. And, like, maybe radios. And Art's like, oh, yeah, so we can hear you scream. Okay. <laughs> and then the guy was like, and I want a button. I want a go up button so that he, he can push the button, and it'll just, like, vroom, shoot him back up outside of the hole. Okay. 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 There's so many things wrong with that. Like, oh, yeah, I volunteer as tribute. I'm going to Katniss the shit out of this and lower myself in a cage into a giant hole. Like, breathing's going to get difficult at some point. That was actually something that Mel had said. He's like, I don't know about the pressure that would have on your body. He's like, I don't know if oxygen is that deep. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I know that those things are issues in the ocean. You'd think that it would be the same sort of like even though if there, even if there's not water, you're just not you don't have the exposure so that you you don't have the exposure to oxygen to get all of that down there. Plus, I don't know that I'm right on this, but do I, I do I feel like people have talked about like CO two levels in the soil? Um, I don't know about the soil. Well. Because it wouldn't be as oxygenated, oxygenated, I think that your own breathing out would be a problem. Okay. Would be yep. a problem because you just, you're not able to get a replacement oxygen. Either way, I just, I don't think going 15 miles down into a hole is realistic. Okay. So you do not want to be lowered into the depths of Mel's hole. Keep me away from Mel's hole. Okay. Nothing good can come from that. Too many people from what I can tell, have been throwing stuff into Mel's hole. And, you know, whatever works, cows down there. whatever works for him, uh-huh. works for him. But uh-huh. it doesn't work for me. I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum, but I don't want anything to do with Mel's hole. Another caller suggested throwing a cat in the hole so that you could hear it scream all the way down. Which Mean. I know. And luckily, Art was not even entertaining that idea. He was really mad about it. He was like, no. No, we no. are not doing that. Uh, someone else suggested using radar to see how far the, down the hole goes. But then there was a whole conversation, a whole conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole conversation as to whether or not that would work. Uh, they brought up, you know, like cops, like radar guns. And I, I think it was Mel who was like, well, yeah, you can see how fast the hole is going. <laughs> It was really quite funny. Uh, while another caller who's from Yakima County, which is near where Mel lives, said that their local dump was closing and that maybe Mel should get a hold of like the trash folks. They had a much nicer name for them. I just don't, I didn't write it down. Um, but Sanitation the, workers? I mean, yes, that's essentially what it is, but like the governing forces of oh, the okay, sanitation okay, okay. workers. Uh, because the dump is closing, he should like rent out his services to this never ending hole and then he could make money off of it. Hey, you know, like that's making lemonade out of lemons. I'm saying. That's what I tell you. I'm saying. 
One woman who was calling from Florida asked if there might be something down there pulling on the line. And that's why it still feels like it's dropping, even though it's actually hit something, because something is... That's creepier. Uh Uh-huh. I don't like that. It's giving me, like, something slimy. It's giving me Kraken vibes is what it's giving me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, the idea was, like, maybe something is holding on to it to make it taut. And then she asked, like, what if something, like, yanked on it? What would he do? And Art was like, run. (laughs) And Mel was like, well, I'd put the the metal cover over it and seal it and then never go back. And I was like, fair. I like samesies. You guys are you guys are on the same page as me on this one. All in all, they had about 15 folks call in to comment on Mel's hole. (laughs) Give their theories, their suggestions, offering their services. But it was nearing the end of the show. And before they ended their call, Art confirmed with Mel that no one really knows about the hole other than his wife, the folks at the university that he had talked to, and a handful of neighbors who have been using it to dump their trash. Mm -hmm. So all in all, only around 20 people are aware of this abyss. Yeah. (laughs) And while it was a really interesting story, the mystery of Mel's hole remained a mystery. This is hilarious and terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A week later... Mel sends Art another fax. Quote, Art, you're receiving this fax simultaneously with a fax that I attempted to send you earlier today. Much has developed since that first fax. I'll try to explain as rationally as possible what has transpired since my earlier fax. Okay. Around 1 p.m., I drove to Yakima to shop at the Costco there. On my way back, I decided to stop by the property. When I got there, my access road was blocked by military personnel that were armed. Uh, that's his property. I noticed that several pieces of yellow gear had entered and exited my property based upon the direction of the treads. I asked one of the guards what was going on, and he said that there had been a plane crash on the property. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, that's strange. I told him, I see no smoke. I don't see any in the distance. He asked who I was, and I let him know I own the property. Then I asked to talk to the officer in charge. A non-uniformed man came up to my Suburban and let me know that I wouldn't have access to my property until the crash had been completely investigated. I mentioned the yellow gear and the lack of smoke and that they were on my property. I was told by this man that it wasn't necessarily my property and that it would be very easy to find a drug lab on my property. Oh... Well, I got the drift. I asked if I could leave, and he said, sure, uh, don't come back until we contact you. I asked if he wanted a way to contact me, and he said, they know how to contact me. I said, I suppose you don't want me talking to anybody about this, and he said, nobody would believe you. Anyway, that's it for now. Uh, Oh, uh, abrupt. Oh, by the way, uh, big government conspiracy. Uh, That's it for now. Oh, I talked to one of my neighbors earlier today, and he told me something very interesting. He said that some time ago he was driving up to the hole at night, and he said that he saw the most bizarre thing. He said he saw a beam of solid black coming out of the then uncovered hole. I said, what do you mean? And he said that something blacker than black was coming out of the hole like a searchlight reaching into the sky as far as he could see. 
So there you have it. There is actually more. After sharing Mel's most recent facts, Art welcomed Mel back to the show, saying that after he had received the facts, he called Mel up right away and found Mel totally freaking out about what was happening on his property. Justifiably so. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, we've basically taken over your property because there was a plane crash. And uh, you better hope we don't find a drug, drug lab. lab. And you know what? Is it really, really your property? Is it, though? Eminent domain due to giant hole. <laughs> and the rest of the story is going to have to wait until next week because this is a two-parter, baby. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> you didn't warn me about that. <laughs> Were you starting to get into the story of the whole? Yes. Boo, you whore. And I can't like, I can't look it up. Like I could, I want to go home and I want to find this recording, but no, I can't, can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do I it. I can't. I'm actually not even going to send you my sources until after next week's episode. I'm but. so mad right now. <laughs> I'm just holding my face in, in, I just want to know. It get, it gets so much more bananas. Okay. But, but, but like you're pulling some Game of Thrones, Last <laughs> of Us bullshit on me. I'm just going to start naming things that have Pedro Pascal in them and cliffhangers. You're this bullshit, bullshit lemonade right here. Yeah. Yeah. But now maybe for next week, I'll see if I can find it. So... Obviously, we can't rate this because I don't know what the fuck's going on. How do you feel about it so far, though? Three. Three? Okay. Going to go three. Okay. But I feel like that's going to change next week. Um, But my ex-spouse showed me, like, when we first started dating, they showed me a video, but it was like an audio recording. Yeah. And I think that it was this show. Oh, okay. But not this thing. Episode. It well, not yeah. this this episode. It was something. So maybe I'll try to find it and see if I can get the one that they showed me. Um, Because it's very like. It's not a hole. It's not like a cryptid. It's a. It was like a alien thing. Okay. Well, I mean, he. Art Bell had at this point when Mel called in 1997. He had been doing this for 20 years. So at four times a week. No, five times a week for four hours. So like the number of stories. Well, but without giving it away, this one was known as kind of a big deal, which is why uh, my ex showed it to me. Okay. Was because it was like one of the first, it was before, if I remember correctly, it was like before they really talked about Blue Book. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And so from what I understand, if this is the same show, uh-huh. uh, Art was kind of a boundary pusher. Like a lot of people would be like, why are you doing this? Because one day you're going to end up dead. Oh. Not like. Oh, no, I get it. I get it. Like it, it, because he conspiracy was like, theorists. He, conspiracy that, yeah. theorists. Yeah. yeah. So like not necessarily saying there was any justification behind that stuff, but there was right. like that call was supposedly a big deal. So I'll see if right. I can find it. Yeah. If I can. Yeah. Do not. Uh, but I will stay away from Mel's hole. Thank you. You should definitely stay away from Mel's not gonna, hole. I'm not going to pay the troll toll to get in. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you if you get in, 
You'll never get out. You're just going to be lost forever. <laughs> In a cage and, 15 miles below the surface. Yeah, when they were talking about the fact that he, he had it covered up, he's he's like, well, yeah, I, I put like a metal cover on it so that local kids wouldn't just like walk around the edge and fall in. Yeah, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Well, Art's like, you actually don't know if anyone's ever fell in there. That's another creepy thought that's like just a real life creepy thought that I don't want to think about. I know, because like they would never, there's no bottom. How would you know? Oh, no. How would you know? How would they know? How would, How would they, they know? know? Yeah. If you want to, you know, be the Mel to our art, uh, you could send us a paranormal experience you've had. Uh, aliens, cryptids, uh, conspiracy theories, anything. Ghosts. Ghosts. You know, you'd send it to us. Leftoskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftoskeptic.com. Click the listener stories tab at the top of the page. You can also get there through the link tree in our bio. You can choose to include your name or remain anonymous, whatever makes you the most comfortable. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, I'm going to go home and be angry now. (laughs) Thank you for that. You're welcome. No, be excited. <laughs> Kayla, you're excited now. But I'm I'm ex- You get to see me next week and I get to tell you a wonderful story about Mel's hole. Babe, I, I always get to see you next week. Yeah, but now you have something to look forward to. <laughs> I always look forward to it. <laughs> but here's the deal. I'm angry the same way that I'm angry when like I said, like cliffhangers, man. Cliffhangers. I don't I, know. I don't do cliffhangers. I wait until shows are completed before I even start them yep. because I don't want to deal with the end of season cliffhanger. Nope, I can't handle it. This is Derek Shepard and Meredith Grey getting a plane crash in the woods all over again. I think that that's where I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy. You missed out, man. I was like, I'm not going to, I can't deal with this emotional up and down, <laughs> back and forth, roller coaster. Uh uh-uh. uh. Their life makes my life feel calm. I'd rather watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Whose life also makes my life feel calm. You know exactly. what? I just like, I just like. You just every- want some sort of a comparison. You're like, so, it's not that bad. You're like, oh, I don't want to go to work. But you know what? At least I didn't have to stab my lover through the chest to stop the end of the world. Right? So. Oh, and then he came back right beforehand. Spoilers. It's about perspective. Okay. Well. I was only saying the spoilers was a joke. I, was, okay, I wasn't I was like, actually accusing you of spoilers. At this point, if you if you haven't watched Buffy and you're not like doing a Buffy rewatch podcast, right? You you shouldn't be mad at us. And if the you, show is like 30 years old, and if you <laughs> listen to Prophecy Girls, you have already come up. That episode That's, is coming on, coming on, coming on, coming on. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this spooky Wednesday. We will see you next week. We love you and appreciate you. It's true. We do. Happy spooky Wednesday. Happy spooky Wednesday. Okay. Bye. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye!